It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Good evening, friends. Welcome to another edition of Cadillac On Call presented by Cadillac Foundation. Tonight, we're here to talk about the latest health news revolving particularly around COVID-19, vaccine availability, the prevalence of the virus in our community and regions. In the second half of our program, we're going to talk a very serious topic, and that is the issue of suicide, and particularly the incidence of suicide among men. Uh, In our region, it is a higher incidence of suicide among men, apparently, uh, especially in the ages between 20 and 60. So um, we are going to Uh, Touch on that subject in the second half of our program as we work our way through warmer weather. Spring is here. Uh, Optimism reigns, but certainly we're dealing with some very serious issues uh, in our community, in our region, in our country, in our world. So uh, we're happy to welcome back Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District uh, to give us some latest perspective on where we stand. First of all, Heather, I guess we're just coming out of the spring break season and it's almost become a tradition relative to COVID-19 that any kind of holiday or special uh, occasion, we have worries about a spike in COVID cases. Is that the case with spring break having just concluded? You know, Jim, we certainly are going to be watching our data very closely. Going kind of into spring break, we were you know, especially watching our data to see what direction it was going to go because that was also the time where the governor would be looking at county data and determine whether counties stayed in their current phase or had to return to a previous phase. We've been watching our our data very, very closely. And the good news is uh, Benton and Franklin counties both stayed in phase three for this go round, but that, you know, doesn't mean we, we shouldn't be vigilant because especially in Franklin County, as we watch the data on that side of the river, we have kind of noticed it creeping up a little bit. And because Franklin County is actually kind of teetering on that, that data point that could push them back into phase two, this is when we really, really need to stress to the community. And, and again, that's my community. I'm a Franklin County resident. And, and stress to my community how important it is that we continue to do all of those things that we've talked about for the last more than a year. You know, the masking, the washing your hands, the social distancing, and especially getting vaccinated because we don't want to go back in a phase. That would be devastating to our businesses. And I think that's the important point to remember is we need to do all those important things for the sake of our businesses so that we can keep open, stay in phase three, and keep our economy moving forward. This is about all of us in our community working together for, for the same goal. And, and our goal is let's, let's create a healthier economy and a healthier people over there in Franklin County. You know, and it's been such a delicate balance as we've dealt with this pandemic is that what is the the right level of opening, but at the same time making sure we're still making progress against the virus. And so I guess maybe on the half full glass looking side of things that uh, maybe we are proving to ourselves that we can still use these 
mitigation practices and still be able to keep the rates down, at least in a manageable level, to allow us to stay in these phases that allow us to open up more? You're, you're absolutely right, because we, we've seen throughout the whole you know, months and months of COVID that when we actually put these things into place, data improved. So we know it works. And we just need to keep doing what we've been talking about and honestly what the community has really been doing quite well over the last few months. We just need to keep doing it to, to maintain our momentum in the right direction. And as we've seen, and I know the governor made a very strong point that he was going to just let the data do the speaking as when the, the evaluations were made, and there were three counties, I believe Whitman, Pierce, and Cowlitz counties, that went back to phase two. And is that primarily because these cases are elevating in younger populations? You know, I'm not sure exactly what the, what kind of, you know, data I, they're seeing in those counties, but, you know, we certainly look to what, what happened in and Whitman County. At least County. in our county. I mean, it probably similar right. here. I imagine is that what we're seeing here, too, is... Is that it's the younger population, right. absolutely, um, where the transmission is happening. And we know people are out and about. They're moving around more. And when you look to the other counties, um, especially Whitman County, there is certainly that younger population there with WSU, the, the university. So, you know, and as we look at the data of who actually is infected, we are seeing a, a younger population actually infected. Now, I want to spend probably maybe the second part of our program where we have you in our uh, next segment talking about more on the vaccine availability, but maybe to lead into that uh, discussion is I understand that you call them breakthrough cases, meaning uh, cases of COVID that have popped up in people who have been vaccinated. Talk a little bit about that and, and the level of concern there. Sure. You know, in the world of vaccines, and I've been in the world of vaccines for many, many, many years, we know that they are not 100% able to prevent infections from happening. And the, and the same is true with COVID. We never believed it would be a 100% perfect vaccine. It just helps prevent severe disease um, and death. And what we have seen happen, and, and it was expected, in Washington State, they uh, reported today, actually, that there have been a total of 217 uh, breakthrough cases. And locally, our data shows we've had about five, I believe it's five or six uh, COVID breakthrough cases in people who were previously vaccinated. And we're actually past the period of time where they've been building immunity. So there are some definite data points we're looking at as far as when did you get your vaccine and when did you get COVID. And all of these people, the time had passed where their body would have had the chance to build the immunity to protect them. What, what that means is exactly what we had thought. It's not a 100% perfect vaccine in preventing, but we know that about vaccines. But what we do know is it is all of these vaccines are very, very good at preventing severe illness, hospitalization, and death. And that's ultimately our goal with any vaccine. And so with that, I know uh, tomorrow, as we are talking tonight, uh, April 15th is uh, tomorrow. And as we are speaking this evening, that means uh, another phase. What is it, 16 and older? Everyone is eligible now. So we can start being seeing even more people getting this vaccine. That's 
right. Tomorrow is where vaccine is opened up to literally anybody 16 and older uh, who wants to get vaccinated. And some of the vaccines are for 18 and older, but there are others that are 16 and older. So as you make your appointment, make sure you're getting into the right clinic if you're at that 16, 17-year group. But we're really anxious to have it open to everybody 16 and older in our community. We know the younger people have been interested. They've been wanting to get vaccinated. We are seeing uh, a lower demographic, age demographic, certainly coming to our clinics. And um, tomorrow we hope to see even more of that population come in. There are plenty of um, opportunities to get vaccinated around our community now. The fairgrounds, there are lots and lots of openings and it's very convenient doesn't take very much time at all. Literally, you drive in, you get vaccinated, you wait 15 to 30 minutes, and you are done. We're visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District, and we're going to spend the next segment of our program talking a little more in detail about vaccine availability. And certainly the news that has broken just this week is the pause in the Johnson Johnson vaccine, which is that one-shot vaccine that has been out on the market. We'll get Heather's perspective on that and advice that you can all follow, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program. As we come on the air tonight, it is April the 14th of 2021 here in the Tri-Cities area and effective tomorrow on the 15th. I think they've changed it from tax day to what I understand is vax day and all Washingtonians age 16 and older will be eligible to get the vaccine, at least the ones that they are eligible to receive, uh, either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine has been put on pause, and we're visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, why don't we start with Johnson & Johnson? What happened there, and and where do we stand here in our community relative to that particular vaccine? Sure. I'll be glad to talk about it. So what we know with any vaccine, um, it is, and especially the COVID vaccines, is they've been thoroughly studied. They've been studied more closely than any other vaccines that have come to market. They've been tested on, you know, done um, the trials on a lot more people than are typically done during trials for vaccines. And now that vaccine has been rolled out to millions and millions of people, we start to see some unusual things crop up. And that's certainly what happened with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. What we've been made aware of is that six women between the ages of 18 and 48 did develop an unusual symptom um, of blood clots. And the blood clots are a very, very rare kind. They developed in the veins that actually drain the blood from the brain. The other unique thing is all six of these women did have a blood condition called thrombocytopenia, which is abnormally low levels of platelets, which are the cells that that help form clots. And that's a condition that usually leads to bleeding, not clotting. So what has happened is 
the Center for Disease Control and the FDA has asked that we put a pause on the use of any Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Washington uh, Department of Health did make that recommendation across the state as well as of yesterday. So all Johnson & Johnson vaccine isn't being used in Washington state at this point. And what will happen now is um, there is a committee that has convened uh, immunization uh, specialists come together and they will look at the data, study it very carefully, and make a decision as to what to do to bring it back on the market. Will there be further recommendations? Will there be further questions to ask? We honestly don't know at this time, but it's honestly expected to just be a pause at the moment, and it should be back on the market in a few days, a few weeks. That we're not actually sure. And I think it's important, though, to understand that any time we put a foreign substance into our body, there is always the risk of something adverse happening. And we know that with medications, treatments, and we also know that with vaccines. And in the United States, we have a very robust system of reporting adverse events that happen with vaccine. It's called VAERS, a VAERS report, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And it's because we have a very robust system, situations like this are picked up so that we can react to them quickly and make the most educated decisions about how to proceed. It gives the, the medical scientists the opportunity to look at that situation very, very carefully and then to decide risk-benefit. And when we're giving vaccines, we're trying to prevent disease. We're not trying to treat. And so we tend to look at that risk-benefit even closer and be a little more um, cautious about what we're doing versus the risk-benefit that happens when you're giving a medication to treat something. So what the federal government is doing right now is taking a very, very close look at, at exactly what happened, and then they will be coming out with some recommendations in the near future. And what I'm reading statistically, there have been 6.8 million Johnson & Johnson vaccines administered across the country, and those six that you are alluding to are of those 6.8 million. In the state of Washington, the number I'm seeing is 160,000 uh, out of 4 million doses total given uh, across the state of Washington. And I know there has been some of that Johnson & Johnson throughout the Tri-Cities. I know where I work at Cadillac, of the nearly 17,000 doses that have been administered, none so far yet from Johnson & Johnson. So it's still relatively a small number in our community. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, we started to get Johnson & Johnson vaccine very, very recently. We were excited to be able to roll it out to our community, but um, we we have followed the request, and it is on pause, and we've uh, advised that of all of our partners that have Johnson & Johnson also. So it begs the question, obviously it's the one dose, and you sound like, and again, citing the numbers that I just alluded to, that at some point, hopefully the evaluations will prove that it's just as effective as it was thought of prior to these cases of concern coming up. But again, that's going to put some skepticism into certain people, especially those, I'm guessing, that might not be as willing to get a vaccination, whether it's Johnson & Johnson or otherwise. And, 
And you're, you're right, Jim. People do need to be educated. They need to take the time to research out whether it's a vaccine going in their body, a medication going in their body, some kind of a treatment going in their body. We, we certainly need to be well-educated and informed. But the flip side of that is it's so important to look at the risk-benefit. The risk of catching COVID disease and having a very bad outcome is actually quite high. We've seen how many people in our community die of COVID, be hospitalized with COVID. So we have to look at the likelihood of having an adverse event to a vaccine versus the, the very bad disease that COVID is and make the decision, yes, the risk of getting vaccinated far outweighs um, you know, the disease, the, the horrible effects of the disease on our body. And that's why we still continue to say vaccine is your best way to prevent catching COVID. As we go, just a couple of minutes left before we let you go, but as we address this and, and where we are with vaccine availability and certainly where we are with with hopefully seeing the trends continuing to go, more vaccines given, less cases of covid but again, I'm guessing we're probably going to see those harder to reach, harder to convince populations of invincibility. And, and as we uh, get ready to open up to more vaccines, we need to really, and we're seeing nationally and statewide, we're seeing increased emphasis on from their engaging athletes and celebrities and you name it to try to help get the word out to get vaccinated regardless. You're, you're right, Jim. It's going to be a tough sell for some people, and we'll continue to provide the information they need to make that educated decision for themselves. But then there are those populations that tend to be just vaccine hesitant, and those are the ones that we really need to work with to help provide the best information for them to be able to make that decision to get vaccinated. And we know as better information comes out, more information comes out, and people see that in the long run, you know, our community is going to be healthier as a vaccinated community. We know more and more people are going to come on board and, and get vaccinated. Just a minute left, and I guess I'll just leave you that uh, that takeaway message. As, and we kind of touched on it earlier, is that, Maybe we're starting to see that we can uh, we can endure and live and move forward and expand and open. Schools are going to be more in person. Uh, you name it, that we can still see controllable disease, uh, but it can be managed so that we're not uh, causing ourselves real significant problems. You're right. You know, there are a lot of risks in life. There's there's risks to getting in the car and driving down the road. The the, the risk of an accident. There's a risk any medication you take, and there is certainly a risk with any vaccine you take, but the risk of catching COVID and having a bad outcome, one needs to really, really seriously consider the effects of catching that disease and the, and the effect it has on your body. 
Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. Thanks so much again for taking the time to be with us. Again, there are plenty of opportunities for folks to get vaccinated who are eligible. And again, effective April the 15th, that eligibility age goes down to age 16 and older. So really, again, take the advice of the public health experts that regardless of of where things stand, the best course of action is to get that vaccine when it becomes available to you. Our thanks to Heather. Back with the second half of Cadillac on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to our program. One of the great uh, challenges that we have faced throughout this pandemic of the last year plus has been not only uh, trying to protect ourselves from getting the coronavirus and COVID-19, but it's also coping mentally with all of the changes that have impacted all of our lives, whether we are students trying to go to school, whether we are adults trying to go to work, whether we are older adults trying to live and avoid getting the virus. And so tonight we wanted to bring on Karen Hayes, who is the manager of community health investment at Catholic Regional Medical Center. And Karen oversees a tremendous amount of work uh, being done educating our community in a variety of areas in healthcare, support groups on a broad array of topics, everything from Alzheimer's and dementia to Parkinson's disease and and just caregiver support. But I know one issue that um, has been tackled quite significantly in this area in the last few years is the ever important issue of suicide. And sadly, our area in the last four or five years in the Tri-Cities area has been uh, impacted significantly by suicide. And so we wanted to bring Karen on and get a little update on where things stand and what we're trying to do to keep that focus on making sure people are aware of the, I guess, symptoms of suicide and who is most at risk. So, Karen, maybe I tee it up that way with just an introductory comment of of what's your level of concern in the community health space of where we are with suicide. We are very concerned about suicide. And when we look at the numbers for 2019 and 2020, we have, um, it's very clear that men in the middle years are the the ones being impacted the most and who have died by suicide in our community the most. And we really want to target our efforts at that population. So you mean men in the middle. So I'm guessing people of middle age, so to speak. So what, 20 to 60, say, or 30 to 60? Right. So the data, well, is like, that, that's what it's showing? So I think technically middle age is 35 to 64, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of these numbers for deaths by suicide in Benton and Franklin counties in 2019 and 2020, 68% of those were people in their 30s to their 60s. And I think uh, you had shared with me some data indicating that the total number of suicides in Benton and Franklin for each of the years is is like 42 which seems rather high, um, but again, you're saying the, the 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 vast majority of these are in that age group. They are. They and do you know why that is? Are. You know, I, I am not certain why that is, and one of the things that we are hoping to be able to um, find out 
um, not only from our most recent data, but from a few years before from the Department of Health, is we're trying to find out what are those occupations that may be um, highest risk so we could even further focus our effort on maybe those workplaces and those particular occupations. And I know and later in our program, we're going to have the opportunity to, to uh, head down to Walla Walla and talk about a program that is called Men in the Middle, and it's an awareness program that's been initiated in, in that community that I know, uh, obviously, we can bring that awareness in this community as well. But Men in the Middle, meaning let's f- focusing on that age group. And is that what you mean, Karen, by trying to take this education, this awareness, uh, not only maybe things that you could do education occasionally in a community presentation, but maybe actually be more proactive and go to some of the places where these age groups, uh, where people work. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the goal is to really create a culture where talking about mental health and seeking help for behavioral health and mental health concerns is really normalized and that people are encouraging each other to seek out that help. Uh, And one of the things that we are offering as the Catholic Community Health Program is that we want to offer our uh, question, persuade, refer, which is a suicide awareness and prevention program that can be tailored for specific um, demographics. So for specific uh, genders, specific age groups and um, offer that to workplaces and organizations so that they can really begin to create that culture where it's okay to talk about mental health and suicide uh, prevention. And so you mentioned, I think I've heard the acronym QPR, so that's what it means, question, persuade, refer, and and I would assume that's pretty self-explanatory is part of the challenge, it seems, with suicide from just my limited knowledge of trying to understand it is just, is that is, is just, uh, you know, the why behind these is just so mysterious in a lot of cases. Right. And, um, you know, letting people know that you're there and talking with people that you think might just be a concern is really important and staying with them and questioning them and helping them get the help that they need. So the the question persuade refer is much like CPR, but this is QPR Uh for suicide risk. And so, and and And, and the wall, go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. The Walla Walla program is really impressive, and I'm glad that you're going to be having Greg on to talk about it. And we want to model our program in uh, Benton and Franklin counties on the Walla Walla model because they really are um, creating an awareness and elevating the conversation about mental health and suicide risk. And um, they have men in their middle ages talking about it with each other and sharing in the community. And so it's exciting to have Greg be a part of this conversation tonight. And we'll do that in just a minute. But before I let you go, I know it's kind of the mission of of your initiative and the mission of Catholic. But it's that same issue is... You know, hopefully it never gets to the point of suicide, but there's a lot of work that we know needs to be done in the mental health space, however that's defined in our community and region. That's so true. I mean, it's an issue in in our community and statewide and nationwide. It's true. And do you think it's just what this, this QPR topic is to get it more ingrained and more accepted and more just 
okay, that's that, that you're not so, uh, I guess, feeling ashamed to being vulnerable to talk about your feelings, whether they are serious enough to, to contemplate suicide, but just that it's acceptable. It's okay to do this, and it's we allow you to do this. Yeah, and I think it's so powerful when, you know, a man is talking about that. I think it is more powerful um, and, and for other men to open the door to begin those conversations as well. And again, I know the the wonderful work that, that – that I know you've been at Catholic a number of years and goes back to the days of the Catholic Neurological Resource Center, and I touched on some of these subject matter topics uh, for support groups that exist over at Catholic, and primarily in the neurological areas, but the expansion that we've seen over the years is quite impressive. You must be proud of it, and, and I know the work is never done. I am. I am. We have a lot of amazing programs, educational programs, support groups, a library, and I'm really, really happy that we are able now to do mental health programs and suicide prevention work. And I do, while I have you, is if you could take 20 or 30 seconds and just share with the community what's being done just on the area of community health. I know you have a very active and robust collection of folks from various levels of the healthcare and social service community in our region coming together regularly to address a whole variety of health topics. There is a lot happening in terms of community health um, right here in, in our community. There's lots of community organizations that are coming together to address um, needs together to partner with each other. Uh, one thing that I'm very proud of that we are offering at Catholic Now is a community resource desk where people can uh, call in or use a QR code or come in to the library in the HealthPlex for our community resource desk, and that can help connect people need to resources such as housing and food and um, and healthcare, uh, just such a huge variety of resources. So that's a really exciting development over the last few months. Well, kudos to you and everyone involved in those projects. I'm going to put out a phone number for you, whether you're interested in learning more about the these programs to raise the awareness of suicide in our community that or other uh, support groups that are available at Catholic. The number is 943-8445. The area code is 509-943-8455. Our thanks to Karen Hayes, the manager of Community Health Investment at Catholic. Back with our remaining minutes of Cadillac on Call in just a minute. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. One of the unfortunate ways we have to drive home the importance of messaging relative to healthcare is relative to COVID-19, it's data, whether it's suicide incidents in our region, it's data. And uh, numbers, uh, they don't lie, but numbers are also uh, significant because they, at least in the area of conversation around suicide, they indicate lives lost and it's tragic most tragic ways and uh, we're happy to welcome to the program Greg Kettner he comes to us from Walla Walla and as Karen Hayes in our previous segment mentioned he's part of a group that's uh, reachoutwallawalla.org that's launched a uh, I guess a support group called Men in the Middle and as we learn that there's a higher incidence of suicide 
among middle-aged men. And so Greg is happy to spend a few minutes with us. And Greg, first of all, thanks for taking the time, but maybe just for an introductory comment from the Walla Walla perspective of what is Men in the Middle and how is it going? Great. Well, thanks for having me, Jim. Um, yeah, the, the folks over here in uh, Spearhead about Peggy Needham uh, created Men in the Middle. It's kind of based loosely off of groups in both Canada and Australia where it's guys standing shoulder to shoulder having conversations about life, about marriage, kids, finances, and so that we can support one each other. So when we do have these thoughts, you know, of anxiety or depression or thoughts of suicide, we can actually reach out to a buddy and have a conversation, and then we can be there to support them and and give them the tools that they need to talk to a professional to help them out. I know uh, this this subject uh, hit you personally, so if you would share what you'd like to about it and and how why it's become a cause in your life. Yeah, um, I was married, uh, got married five years ago, and a year and a half in uh, to our marriage, my stepdaughter uh, lost her father to suicide, um, and it was it was very jarring for all of us, especially my stepdaughter and my wife. You know, she had to go through some some stuff as well too through it. And um, I, I realized that morning when I got woken up at 2 8 in the morning to this news that, well, like, this, this is real. And, um, you know, we, we've gone to therapy and we've talked to people and we've, we've talked to friends and we've researched. And I, I came across the, you know, the reach out wallawalla.org uh, and Patty Needham and, and they helped us out. And so when she, you know, asked me to, they were thinking of starting this group men-to-men talking, you know, whether it's going out for a beer or playing around a golf or, you know, helping an elderly lady paint her house. That's where the relationships happen. As you know, Jim, um, we just met. We're not going to have a conversation about the problems in our life. But if we have a relationship, when something comes up, it's easier to share and help other people. And so it's been my mission for the last three-plus years, not only to make sure that my daughter and my wife are you know, getting by and, and moving on, but however I can help other people. Whether it's in Walla Walla, the Tri-Cities, or wherever somebody might be listening to this program tonight, how do they go about finding that? Is it just as simple as going, you know, hey, best friend that I play golf with, I'm having trouble? Yeah, well, and, and I'm not an expert. I, You know, <laughs> I, I haven't a, a degree in counseling or anything, but I, I know how to point people in the right direction. Um, you know, people in, in the area, whether, you know, it's the Tri-Cities or Yakima or, or Walla Walla, can just go to reachoutww.org. Uh, or uh, another thing, and I share this with people all the time, if you know somebody who's struggling with anxiety or depression or whatnot, it's always great to keep the number in your phone. Um, and there's an 800 number, you know, that people can call. Uh, if you are having these thoughts or, you know, down in the dumps, whatever, but it's, the number is 800-273-8255. And if you're not comfortable reaching out and talking to somebody personally, you can always text the word HEAL, which is H-E-A-L, to 741-741. And that's 24-7-365. And those are professionals who can talk you through the process, listen to you, and give you guidance. Just a minute or so left, if you would. Um, what has it meant to you to be able to to take on this? It's obviously it's a, it's such a, a heavy subject and intense subject, and but 
something yep. so important that we all need to make sure that we don't ignore, it sounds like. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, before uh, our family went through this, it was a heavy subject. But now I regularly check on, you know, my guy friends. How is it six inches between your ears? And it's us um, talking about it that it's, that it's breaking down that stigma, right? I mean, back early on when people got cancer, they're like, oh, no, am I going to catch it or whatnot? And mental illness is at that level, too, where if we just talk about it, it's okay to talk about it. It's, as guys, it's okay to cry. It's okay to ask for help. And so, you know, if, if someone is listening and they are struggling, you know, go to the website or call somebody or text somebody on those numbers, and we're all in this together. And the more that I talk about it, the more I feel comfortable, and I know it will for everybody else as well. Hey, we've chatted for just five minutes. I feel like I know you. Well, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to be with us because we've, we've shared data tonight of statistics of suicide throughout our region of southeast Washington and northern Oregon. And, and sadly, it's not what we, what we want it to be because one is too many. And I thank you for taking the time to be with us. Well, and thank you for sharing with your listener, Jim. It's, it's important. Greg Kettner talking about the Men in the Middle program, awareness of suicide, and making sure, especially among us men, that we're okay to talk about it. That number again, 800-273-8255. I'd like to thank all of our guests for joining us tonight on these very important topics, whether it's suicide awareness or COVID vaccinations or just COVID-19. Thank you so much, and please take the time to get vaccine when it's your time to get it. Thanks. We'll talk again next week.